don't turn away Living God, thank you for your most amazing gift, the gift of your spirit. May we use your spirit to continue the message of Christ, to share his message of love. Thank you for this blessed and everlasting gift, the gift that is by our side. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our scripture reading starts today with John 14, verses 8 through 17. Philip said to him, 
Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it not, because it neither knows him or sees him. You know him because he abides with you and in you. This is the word of Lord. Thanks be to God. So I decided to start with John today because John has a different take on the spirit. And since it's Advent season, gift giving season, what better thing to talk about than the spirit that dwells in us? John's approach is a little bit different than the other apostles when they speak of the spirit. John stresses the importance of the spirit that is in you, that dwells in you, that is always with you. He describes the spirit as the pneuma, the wind, the breath, the rational spirit, the power by which the human being feels, thinks, decides, one that dwells within us. The advocate who will be with us forever. The spirit of truth who abides with you and with me. The comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit who is with us. So the Bible tells us an important truth. When we come to Christ, God himself comes to live within us by his spirit. In fact, we can't even come to Christ unless the spirit has already been at work in our hearts, convicting us of sin and convincing us of the truth of the gospel. Jesus put it this way, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So has anyone here ever experienced that tug in your heart? Say one day you really didn't want to go to church, but okay, I guess I'm gonna go. I don't know why, but, and when you get there, the message speaks directly to you. Or maybe there's a song that plays and the lyrics speak directly to you. This is that spirit tugging on your heart. How many coincidences have you experienced in your life? Or an aha moment? So as believers in Christ, congratulations, you guys have received one of the most amazing gifts of all. His precious gift, the gift of the resurrected Jesus that lives 
in you. So we'll switch it over to Paul when he writes his letter to the first Corinthians. And Paul is really trying to stress to the people of Corinth that the spirit within you should be used for edification of the church. There's a variety of gifts of the same spirit. There are a variety of services from the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities from the same God. The one who activates the spirit in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Those are two words that you'll hear me say a few times. So again, when Paul wrote this, he was trying to get the people of Corinth to um, use this gift to lift up Christ's body. Because Corinth, even though it was a large and prosperous city, had a great checkered past. Its economy was not only based on trade, but also on commercialized pleasures for the higher class citizens. They worshiped many idols, and they worshiped many gods. Psalm 115.5, God speaks of these idols. They had ears, but could not hear. They had mouths, but could not speak. He was stressing that these idols were worthless because you can't have a personal relationship with these idols. So the reason why Paul wrote his letter to the church, because he heard there was dissension in the ranks. People were trying to one-up each other. They were ex doing ecstatic acts within the worship service. Um, people were puffing up their chest. I'm better than you. You're no good. And Paul was not happy when he heard that this uh, was happening in the early church. Some of these bad behaviors also was excessive drinking. See, in uh, the early church days, they had the agape meal or the love feast before the service, not like we do now with having a potluck after the services. They um, would worship and dine together, and then they would actually have the worship service either. But the problem with the people of Corinth is the higher class citizens would show up first. And unfortunately, they ate all the food and they drank most of the sacrificial wine. So when other people who arrived there afterward, because they were working all day, there was nothing left for them. Again, this did not please Paul. So in his letter to the Corinthians, he stresses the spiritual gifts. He stressed to the people that these gifts from God were given for the edification an advancement of the church. No one is better than anybody else. There was no hierarchy. All worshipers were one body serving one God. Because these were freely given of the gift of the Spirit, this gift was to be used for yourself and as well as uplifting the church. Ehrman writes, whatever gifts God confers on any man, he confers them that he may do good with them, whether they be common gifts or spiritual gifts. These gifts are not for man to edify himself, but to glorify the one who sent them. The gift of the Spirit was not given for show, but for service. The gift of the Spirit was not given for puffing up one's chest, but for edification. The gift of the Spirit was not given to magnify oneself, 
but to edify, edify others for the common good. So what happens when you offer gifts to other people? Do you give these gifts to puff yourself up, to make you feel good? Do you provide a service for others to make yourself feel good? Or maybe you would like to get a reaction from the gifts you give, like this video. Last week, uh, I issued a challenge. I asked the parents of America to put, pull a little holiday trick on their children. We did this on Halloween with candy and got a lot of response to it. So we did it again, this time for Christmas. I asked parents to tell their kids they were gonna let them open one present a few weeks early. But instead of a good present, I said, put something the kids won't like in the box and then upload a video of that to YouTube labeled, Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my kids a terrible present. And a lot of people did do this and um, they did give their kids terrible presents and a lot of the kids surprisingly reacted poorly to that. What'd you, what'd you, Charlie? I don't like this. Oh. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? No. What are you doing? Pushing it. Oh, okay. Wow. A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. What do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. Want that peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I'll eat it. <laughs> I'll eat it. I had to throw that in, especially for the kids. So no matter what kind of gift that you give someone, make sure that it's for the common good or you're going to get a reaction like that. So what I wanted, when I was thinking about writing this sermon, there is three important facts that I would love for you to walk away with today. Number one, God's spirit really does dwell in you. Number two, he wants you to believe this, to love and encourage you in your moments of darkness, in your moments of stress, and even in your joyous moments. And three, to share this gift with others in and around your life 
and to use the spirit for the common good. I chose um, a, just a few personal stories to share with you today. Um, I experience God in a unique way. I came into ministry through the back door, not like um, many people who I'm working with, um, even students who I'm in class with. They grew up in the church, their parents were part of the church, but not me. I was a C and E person. Anyone know what that is? I'm a Christmas and Easter attender. Um, I didn't really know the Bible very well. I actually didn't even read it until the year 2007. So I believed in Jesus. I believed in Jesus because my Sunday school teacher told me that I need to believe in Jesus or I will go to a bad place. But I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And the Holy Ghost, that was really confusing to me as a kid. Like, aren't ghosts like things that are in haunted mansions and houses? And I, that was all very confusing to me. But about 10 years ago, God forever changed my life, and boy, did he. I, be, I began experiencing dreams and visions and receiving messages from the Spirit. At first, I didn't notice until my dreams started actually coming true. I thought the voice in my head was my own voice, as we all hear our own voices. But these messages were telling me to share scripture and music with people I barely knew, which was terrifying, and also sharing scripture that I didn't even know existed. Have you ever had a song stick with you for days in the tune over and over and over in your head? Pay attention to that because heaven loves to send music down our way. So a couple of stories that I chose for you talk about important family members um, and some of the most amazing experiences and messages that I had to, to share. The first one is with, about my father and my father became ill in the year 2008, and he passed away in 2010. And he was in hospice um, for quite a long time, but there was an amazing message that I was given to give to him. And the Spirit told me to tell him that when he was scared and when he was alone in that dark room at night, that God was with him. And that's such an amazing gift to be able to share that with my father. And just like the song, in the dead of night, wherever you are calling, call me, my hands are holding you. Another story is about my husband, Bob. I lost my husband, Bob, in 2011, a year after my dad passed. And he also suffered from a long illness. He was in the ICU for about a year, in and out of rehab. And it was a really long and arduous and difficult time for our family. But the amazing thing was, is the Spirit guided me the whole time through the most difficult days. There were so many messages I received during his illness, and many of them were words of encouragement that I was not alone, that he was not alone, that our family was not alone. I remember hearing these words, when your friends and family leave you, I am with you. And of course, you know, 
when you're part of a family with someone with a long illness, that your friends do go back to their own lives and your family has to go back to their own lives. But the people who are experiencing this illness in their family, it's, it's a really difficult time. So a few months before my husband passed away, I will never forget this, um, I had this vision and I was holding a whole bunch of balloons. And there was people standing next to me and then I started to ascend up into the air. And I said to these people, I don't even know who they were, I said to them, I said, heaven is a good place. And I know because my father tells me it's a good place. So heaven is symbolized with balloons. So it's a party up there, remember that. One of the greatest gifts that I'm given with the Spirit is saying goodbye to him for the last time. And I'm not telling you this to make you sad. I had some one woman last night who was crying, but that's not the point. The point is for you to know that the Spirit is in you. So knowing the exact moment when he passed away, he was in the hospital in Denver and I was in Evergreen, that's where our home is. And I had a dream that night and I was in this room in the hospital with my sons and my husband sitting in a chair. And all of a sudden the, the medical equipment started to flash and I walked over to him and I put his face in my hands and I kissed him and I told him I loved him with all my heart and soul. And not less than two minutes after that, the phone woke me up and told me that my husband was going to pass away within the next 10 minutes. Ah, so I hopped in my car, thinking that I could get to him on time while it was a 30 minute drive. And in my heart, I knew that he had already passed because I said goodbye to him. But as I was driving down the canyon road, that long, dark, early morning, I remember the words that were said to me before that. When your friends and your family leave you and when you're alone, I am with you. That was so encouraging and that helped me through one of the darkest times of my life. So why do I share these personal stories with you? Definitely not to one-up myself not to puff myself up. I believe it's important to share these spiritual stories with you because I really want you to believe that the spirit is in you and dwells around you. Just like Mark Bell talked about last week with his experience that he has had, it's important for us to learn and know that. So these messages do continue in my life, messages of encouragement, messages of encouraging others, messages for the common good. It always bothered me when I was told about disasters before they actually happen. What, why can't I control them? What am I supposed to do? But the Apostle Paul gives us that answer. He reminds us in his letter to the first Corinthians, in first Corinthians to the people of Corinth, that God continues to tug in our hearts for the common good and to seek the common good in the most horrific of circumstances. To find love amid death and destruction because love trumps all. So on this first day of Advent, 
the beginning of the gift-giving season, which stresses a lot of us out. I'm asking you to spend time with the Spirit. Take time and hear the Spirit. Have a relationship with the Spirit that's within you. A lot of people ask me, how do I do that? It's just in quiet meditation and just time in prayer. And it's really helpful every day if you can. And I know it's such hectic times right now, but spend 20 minutes, a half hour early in the morning, just quiet stillness with God. Hear the Spirit leading you and guiding you. I love this statement by Mother Teresa when she says, we need to find God and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See the stars, the moon and the sun, the trees and the flower, they all grow and move in silence. We need to be in silence to touch other souls. So again, three steps. Remember, believe that the resurrected Jesus is in you, around you. Believe the gospel when the gospel tells you that the Spirit is with you. They're not just words. Know that in your darkest days and your most stressful moments, that the Spirit is with you. You are never, ever alone. When disasters strike in the world, and unfortunately we've seen quite a bit of that lately, you know, God reminds us that he's amongst the danger and the fears and the horrors of evil. He's there with his arms wrapped around the suffering and the afflicted. He feels the pain and he cries alongside people because evil cannot and will not win. The light always shines on the darkest. And finally, what will you do with this gift that is within you? How can you use this gift for the common good? For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We are one. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith. Ministry in ministering. The teacher in teaching. The exhorter in exhortation. The giver in generosity. The leader in diligence. The compassionate in cheerfulness. That's from Romans 12, 4 through 7. So listen to the one who's tugging on your heart. Take the time to hear the Spirit guiding you. Open your heart and your eyes and your ears to the resurrected Jesus that is guiding you, the one who's always by your side. So now I'd like to take just a few minutes. I've had some people say to me they love this time of just quiet reflection and meditation. It gives them an opportunity to settle down, especially before we have communion. So let's take time right now, and I will bring us back out of the stillness and the quiet when I begin to pray. Okay. We enter into receiving your body and your blood. 
We thank you for your amazing gifts, the gift of compassion, the gift that is always with us, even when at times we don't believe that. May we use your gifts to have relationship with you and also to edify your church. Thank you for the resurrected Jesus that dwells with us. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do it in remembrance of me. In, uh, remembrance of me. And in, in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. In the morning, Jesus was crucified. And as he hung on the cross, all the gospels record the same thing that he uh, cried out to the Father, and then he delivered up his spirit. Some versions will translate it, he breathed his last. Uh, they, they say it in different ways, but all four record that. And when Jesus delivered up his spirit, he's delivering up the spirit of God, the same spirit that falls on the church at Pentecost, the same spirit that draws you to this table, as Kim just uh, preached about. And, you know, the spirit, I think, uh, kind of terrifies us because the spirit can do amazing, incredible things. Either we think the spirit's nothing, which is absurd because God is spirit and God's not nothing. He's the foundation of everything. Or we're utterly terrified of the spirit because the, the spirit is so wild and outrageous and does such crazy things like the spirit did on Pentecost. But Kim is saying, and I believe God is saying to us, it's my spirit and my spirit is in you and it's my spirit that's drawing you. Any good thought that you have about me, anything that attracts you to me, that's my spirit. His spirit drawing you to this table, the table of grace. And it's here that you are made in his image. So may you come. And when you come, may you be grateful for the gift of God's spirit in you. And nothing is more powerful than the spirit of God. Feels gentle now, but you'll see that one day. Nothing is more powerful and he will not let you go. In Jesus' name, let's worship. Jess can rock it out, can't she? Thanks, Jess. It's so great to have you here again. Reminder that there's members of the prayer team up in the front. If anyone here needs prayer today, please, they're here to pray for you. So yes, where the spirit is, 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 there is freedom. So this week, go in peace. Have time and experience time with the spirit that is in you and be free. Have no fear in your pain and in your suffering and enjoy the Advent season. Thank you. Have a great week. Um, we have some amazing givers at our church. And it was through two investors that we were able to acquire this building. And uh, we really were looking for two years for a smaller building, but they were all too expensive and, we, expensive and we couldn't find any that worked. And so amazingly, we moved into this building saving $4,000 a month and not paying rent, but now having a mortgage. 
But still, so far this year, our income has been $140,000 less than our expenses, and it's been less than, less than last year. Um, and I don't think we should panic for several reasons, because giving always increases around uh, Christmas, and also because God's kingdom will come. I think he wants to use the sanctuary to do that. But if the giving doesn't happen, well, he'll do it another way. But I think he wants to do it this way. And so that's why I've asked you to pray about your giving as we go into the end of the year. Um, and I'm also saying this to our online community. I mean, this is kind of fascinating, but we probably have as many or more people that watch sermons online. So I ask these guys to record this little call for the offering because I, I want to ask, uh, I wanted to ask you all uh, on, I don't know where the cameras are, online or in here to pray about giving because I do think God has called us to an amazing ministry. And ironically, our ministry is to preach to the world that Jesus really has paid it all. And uh, that's incredibly good news. So if we don't give, the kingdom of God will still come, but I think it will still come, but I think he, he wants to manifest his kingdom in this world uh, th through us. So anyway, as we take the offering, w would you give out of a heart of gratitude? And then would you also pray, Lord, what, what do you want me to give? And for some of you, I think that means uh, money. Uh, probably means money for, for all of us in some form or another. It, it may be your time um, because, you know, in, the, in America we pay pastors, um, but that's not the way it has been with most of the world. People just volunteered for everything. And that's why I'd like you to fill out a green card or yellow card or a blue card uh, at some point and put it in the offering plate because, you see, that really is your offering. The other way that you can really give to our church is invite friends and, and family on November 15th for our open house. And that will help us. That would be, be great because we'd just love to invite more people into our fellowship. It would also solve our sound problems because the more large, soft people we have, the less of an echo we have in the sanctuary. So anyway, just give. I, I, I'm, I'm inviting you to give and do it out of a, a grateful heart, all right? Not out of panic or fear, but because you love the Lord and you want the world to know that he's good.